Welcome to the preaching ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler, Arizona. Our desire is that God would be magnified through the preaching of His Word, and that Christians would be challenged, strengthened, and edified in their personal walk with Christ. I invite you to take your Bibles this evening and turn to the Gospel of John, the first chapter, John chapter 1, as we continue our study and looking at specific apostles. We spent three weeks looking at their call, the way the Lord molded them, some of the specifics of that. And this evening I want us to begin by looking at the individuals. As Pastor Dave has just uh, introduced the the song, uh, we're going to be looking at Andrew. Andrew the fisherman who becomes a fisher of men. Andrew is one who tends to be in the background. You know, there's a lot of that that happens in the Lord's work. It was on a dull winter's day many years ago in London that a young boy sat in the back of a church chapel and he listened to a substitute lay preacher as he preached a very simple message. And that day, that boy trusted Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know the name of the preacher, but the boy became known as the Prince of Preachers. Charles Spurgeon. And it was a lay preacher on a snowy day sharing the word. You know, often God uses individuals that receive little or no human recognition, but God is not unworthy to forget those labors of love, as Hebrews tells us. These people who serve faithfully and and can have tremendous impact for the cause of Christ. And so I'd like us to consider this evening an apostle who really lived in obscurity. He, he's obscured by the strength of his brother's personality, and yet he's the one who brought his brother to the Messiah. You know, we, we only see Andrew a few times in Scripture, and each time when he is doing something, he's bringing somebody to Jesus. And so I want us to consider him this evening. Let me just give you a few thoughts on the, the overview, and then we'll look at some specific passages. Uh, Andrew is a man who was willing to serve in the shadows, I think, especially the sa- shadow of his brother Simon Peter. You know, he's a member of the principal group. When, I, when we looked at the 12 uh, disciples, we, we noted that they are, they're divided into three groups of four. And that's pretty consistently, and Andrew is in that first group. But that there, are, there are times that he is left in the background. There are the, the four, but then the other three, Peter, James, and John, are privy to certain things that Andrew is not. Now, he was there for the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. We see that in Mark chapter 1. Uh, he was there for the private discussions with that first group on the Mount of Olives. But he was excluded from that important event on the Mount of Transfiguration. He wasn't there. Uh, The raising of the girl from the dead in Mark chapter 5. Of going further on in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was the other three that the Lord took further, but not Andrew. Which is interesting when he's in that first group, but he's the one who ends, ends up being left out. He's mentioned 12 times in the Bible. And four of those times are in a list of the apostles. Most of the other mentions are just passing references. His name means manly, which is fitting considering he was a fisherman. That was his occupation. 
And, and there's a lot of historic perspective and speculation regarding him. Tradition is that he took the gospel to Greece. And there are other traditions as well concerning his death. But what I want us to consider this evening is what we can find in Scripture. And the Scriptures, we do have some specific accounts of him never performing miracles, no recorded sermon that he preached, and no real outstanding events. But there are some events that are, are important. He really is best known as Simon Peter's brother. In fact, that's how he's introduced and it probably indicates that he was the younger brother. Simon is identified by his father, Simon, son of Jonas, Simon Bar-Jonas, or John, Simon, son of John, Simon, John's son. And Andrew is known as Simon's brother. And so it was probably because he was the younger brother, but he obviously lived in his, in the, his brother's shadow. But we see him bringing people to Christ. He speaks four times in the New Testament, twice by himself, twice with somebody else. We have 26 English words recorded that, that he spoke. And the first ones we find are here in John's Gospel. If you have your Bibles open to chapter 1, look with me at verse 35. We read these verses a while back when we looked at the, the call of these disciples and the, how they were introduced to Christ. But I want us to particularly look at Andrew this evening. Look at verse 35. Again, the next day, John, this is John the Baptist, stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. Simon Peter's brother. And we see here this introduction. As he, he's, he's a disciple of John the Baptist. And I think it's interesting because we, we see a few things here. First of all, we, we see that he had a spiritual interest. He has invested effort to hear the truth. He has, he has gone to hear John the Baptist. Now, Andrew and Peter grew up in the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee, town of Bethsaida. At some point they moved to Capernaum, a larger city, and closer it became their, their hometown. Uh, it provided a great location for their fishing business. But it was about 30 to 40 miles south of there that John the Baptist was preaching out in the wilderness. He's proclaiming a startling message. Make straight the way of the Lord. The Messiah is coming. And word spreads about this preacher who's, who's got a rather unorthodox message, unorthodox garb, and an unorthodox uh, appetite for what he is eating out in the desert. And Andrew goes. This was not a small task to travel 30 or 40 miles on foot and to leave his business to do this. But he, but he goes out and he's there and word spreads about this confrontational preacher and he makes an effort to be there. 
He appreciated the spiritual values, the, the, the message of repentance, the message of God's coming judgment, and that the kingdom of God was coming. And what we really see is that he responded personally to this message. There was a, there, his heart was warm to this message. And he became a disciple of John. So when John proclaims Jesus as the Lamb of God, Andrew turns and follows him. And when Jesus gives the opportunity and says, what are you seeking? The question is replied with, where are you staying? And Jesus says, come and see. And notice his response. They came. It wasn't like, well, you know, I'd like to do that, but I can't do it today. Maybe later, maybe some other time. And, and we see that he spends time with Christ when he is given this opportunity. What a, what a great example for us. When given the opportunity, do we take the time to spend time with the Lord, hearing His Word, in fellowship, reading His Word on, on a daily basis, and then praying, speaking to Him, and seeing this is the testimony of Andrew. Andrew was known by the early church as the first called. That was the name they gave him. And we, we see in this passage there were two, but the only one that is named is Andrew. Now we assume the other one was John. And he does not name himself in this gospel, but that's speculation. But we are told of Andrew. And so the, the early church called him Andrew the first called. But not only was he the, the first called, then he became the first missionary. Because what we see in the pattern of his life is bringing people to Jesus. The first one then is Simon Peter. And notice what we see in verse 40, or 41 then, as it says, one of the two that heard was John, John speak, and followed was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And then it says in verse 41, he first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. You know, I, I think it's interesting to see the dynamics of this, this relationship with his brother. He comes, he, he brings his, his brother to Jesus. And we, we, we've looked at this, but, but there was a closeness in this relationship. He had a heart for his brother. You know, I, I, I think probably Andrew had been overshadowed his whole life. That if, if they went out for sports, Peter was the captain of the team. And John, you know, or Andrew was on the bench and maybe got to come in and play. You know, maybe Peter would pick him as his little brother. You know, if there was a, if there was a play in the synagogue, Peter would get to play King David, and Andrew probably got a non-speaking part, maybe one of the sheep. You know, in the, in the Christmas, well, they wouldn't have had a Christmas play back then. <laughs> but that he was in the shadow of his brother, but what's also interesting is, is Peter tended to have a, a tendency of putting his foot in his mouth. That when he didn't know what to say, he would just blurt out something. We never find that with Andrew. The few times Andrew does speak, he says the right thing. We have found the Messiah, and he brings his brother. He was concerned for his brother's spiritual condition. He recognized the need, and, and that really is the heart for effective ministry. So the first scene that we see is him bringing his brother Simon Peter to Jesus. The second one is he brings a young boy 
who has a small lunch to Jesus. If you want to turn over to chapter 6. And we're, we're looking at these snapshots. We only have a few, but they tell us something about his life. And I think there are some lessons that we can glean and that we can learn. In, in this story, and this is a very familiar story to most of us, it's the story of the feeding of 5,000. Let's, let's look at a, several of these verses and then we'll, we'll consider it. It says in verse 1, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing the great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Verse 6, But he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that everyone may have a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the people sit down. And they sat down in the grass, in the place. So the men sat down in the number of about 5,000. And we'll stop our reading there, but we know the miracle that's about to take place. But I think it's interesting to see, it's a familiar story. We know of the 5,000. There are 5,000 men. That doesn't include the women and children. So this is a massive crowd. And they've come, and, and Jesus turns to Philip and says, Where can we go to buy bread? Now, we just read Jesus asked that because he's testing. He knows what he's going to do. But Philip doesn't actually answer that question. He answers a different question. We can't afford it. We don't have enough money. There's, there's no way. We, we can't ask for a pizza delivery. There's no DoorDash, Grubhub. There's no, there's no way we can make this work. And, and in that setting, I find Andrew's response interesting because he, he, he sees a problem. He's trying to solve it. And so the verses that we see there is, is Andrew says, well, there's a lad here who has five small loaves made of barley and two small fish. And, and I really... And again, I'm speculating and my curiosity, and, but I wonder if that last phrase, but what are they among so many, wasn't because he got the look from Peter. It's like, seriously? There are 5,000 men, and you've got two little fish and, and five small pieces of bread, and, and, and you're bringing that to Jesus? But what you see is that, that, Philip, or that Andrew is trying to solve this problem. I, I think that Andrew had developed a relationship with this boy. Because he says, well, here's a lad. And, and he's got some food. And, and I think he's developed a relationship because you're not going to get a boy to give up his lunch on a day like this unless you've got some kind of a relationship that he trusts you. So I, I don't think that Andrew just grabbed him and said, hey, here's a kid who's got food. I think he, he took interest in him. 
And I wonder, and again, this is speculation, but as we try to look into their lives and understand these were real people living in a real time, I, I think he had developed a relationship. He took an interest in a boy that I don't know that Simon Peter would have. I wonder if Peter would have said, you know what, we're looking for food. We've got we to find a lot of food. You know, boy, get out of my way. I've got things to do. I can't talk right now. But Andrew sees somebody. And, and he brings him to Jesus. And, and I do wonder if, oh, okay, so what are these among, you know, it's, it's a little, but what is this going to make a difference? But he noticed this boy. And he brings him to Jesus. He sees value in, in what other people probably would have seen as insignificant. In fact, he, he minimizes it himself. And that is exactly what Jesus uses to feed all of these people. He has them sit down, breaks them up into groups, prays, and then starts dividing the food, and it multiplies, and it's the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, and it's really 5,000 plus because it was probably many, many more than that. And yet it's, well, one of the lessons that we can learn from this is it's not the greatness of the gift so much, but the greatness of the Lord to whom it is given. And Andrew brings this boy, brings him to Jesus, and he feeds the 5,000. So we see him bringing this young man, and then the third picture that we see is he along with Philip bring some Greeks to Jesus. And now turn over to John chapter 12, and we're seeing these snapshots in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 12, we have another situation, and again, it's, it's near Passover. And, and it says in, in verse 20 that there are certain Greeks. Now, there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast at Passover. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Now, in these verses, it's an interesting situation. Some people have wondered, well, why didn't, An why didn't Philip take them? The Greeks probably came to Philip because of his name. He had a Greek name. And so they come and say, okay, here is somebody we can connect with and say, we, we wish to see Jesus. But I think the reason that Philip was uncertain is back in Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 and 6, we find Jesus commissioning the twelve, and he's sending them out. But when he sends them out to, to minister, he tells them specifically, do not go to the Gentiles. Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And I think that is what put the question in, in, in Philip's mind. They were commissioned to go to the Gentiles. And, and I think it's the, the, the purpose of Christ when he came. The message was the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That he, he came, Christ came offering the kingdom. But we read earlier in, in John 1, they, he came unto his own and his own people did not receive him. But the message was a, it was a legitimate message offered to Israel. And they rejected their king. I've said several times, they wanted the kingdom, but they didn't want the king. And so, I, 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 and again, I'm speculating, but I suspect that was in the background when Philip says, what do I do? 
we were told specifically not to go to the Gentiles. Now I've got these Greeks coming and saying, we want to go to Jesus, what do I do? And he knows who to turn to. Andrew will know what to do. And so Philip goes to Andrew, and Andrew, who first brought his brother to Christ, who who was the first home missionary, now becomes the first foreign missionary as he brings the Greeks to Christ. And he brings them, and what we see is this is really now bringing us to the climax of Christ's ministry, because look at verse 23. It says, so they bring the Greeks, and it says in verse 23, but Jesus answered them saying, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now, if you remember, when we considered how he trained them, the first miracle that is recorded in the Gospel of John in chapter 2, where where he turns the water into wine, and when Mary comes and tells Jesus, he says, my hour has not yet come. Now he says, my hour has come. And this is leading to the crucifixion. But I think it's also the realization that the Gospel is not just for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles. It's for us. And this turn in that ministry, that that Jesus is not just the Savior of the Jews, He is the Savior of the world. And the Gospel of John was a Gospel written to the world. Matthew wrote to the Jews. Mark wrote to the Romans. Luke wrote to the Greeks. John wrote to the world. And we see this turn as now His hour has come. And we recognize that Andrew has a significant part in in bringing us to this climax. So what are some of the lessons that we can glean from Andrew's life? Well, I think first of all, we see he demonstrated a spiritual concern for his family. And isn't that one of the challenges when, when, when we have family that doesn't know the Lord or is an, un, away from the Lord? We, we have a real burden, but there's also how do I deal with this? Because in some ways, they know us in those unguarded moments. They know our flaws, our frailties. What must Andrew have thought as he comes to his brother and says, we found the Messiah. And it's like, oh, yeah, what do you know? But he had that burden. He had a concern. We see that he was somebody who developed personal relationships. He saw the value of the individual in this lad, in a crowd of of 5,000 men, and this little boy doesn't even count. And yet he saw value in individuals, and he saw value in what to others might seem insignificant. What are these among so many? Well, it depends on who has them. And when they're in the Lord's hands, little is much in His hands. We also see that He understood the priority of bringing people to Jesus. That He had caught the bigger picture. And so when these Greeks come and, and they're wondering, and I'm sure He remembered back to the woman at the well in Samaria. One of those teaching moments and others, as, as Jesus had taught, and the, the, the woman who had come and, and asked, and, and Jesus said, well, you know, it, it's not right to give the children's food to the dogs, and speaking of the Gentiles. And she said, yes, but even the dogs can, 
can enjoy the crumbs that fall from the table. And Jesus spoke of her great faith. I think Andrew remembered those. And so when Philip is wrestling, what do I do in this situation? Andrew says, we take them to Jesus. And he brings these people. We see that he, he had the right heart for effective ministry. He was willing to serve in the shadows. He, he wasn't concerned about the fact that his brother got the prominence. He understood the importance of serving. He, absorbed the, he observed the Lord's working through those he had influenced. As he saw Peter doing other things, and as he's sharing the gospel and, and being involved in these things, and, and we see that he experienced the great privilege of being used by the Lord to reach others. What an amazing opportunity. And every one of us can do that. Every one of us has the opportunity to give a gospel tract, to, to share a word of encouragement, to give the gospel message, to say, let, let me tell you about Jesus. So what can we learn from him personally? I think there are several things. We, we, we see that he displayed a spiritual interest do we he brought people to Jesus are, are we seeking to do that we a, a friend of mine and I've shared with you before he said the definition of a missionary and what missions is we pray meet people and tell them about Jesus that that's really missions that every one of us can do that we're thrilled to have the Utleys going forward in missions but all of us ought to be serving the Lord and seeking to share the gospel of Jesus Christ seeking to bring people to Christ there's no greater privilege and who knows who that person will influence who will lead a person to Christ that will be the next Prince of Preachers like a Charles Spurgeon or the Sunday school teacher who gave the gospel to DL Moody and sharing the gospel with others Andrew was willing to serve in the shadows because he knew the Lord saw. And he provides an example for us as Christ's disciples. The last mention of Andrew is in Acts chapter 1, verse 13. Jesus has been taken back into heaven, the ascension. He's told his disciples to remain there in Jerusalem. And, and that they would be witnesses to him both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea, then Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And after the ascension, after Christ is taken, then they go to the upper room and they're deciding who should be the replacement for Judas Iscariot, the, the traitor. Who should be the replacement apostle? And that's the last scene that we have where Andrew is mentioned. But what happens right after that is Pentecost. And as they are gathered and, and the Jews that have come to Jerusalem for Pentecost and the, the disciples are there, the apostles have remained. And in Acts chapter 2, on that day, that is the day that, that Peter stands up and preaches. And the Holy Spirit comes and we believe is the beginning of the church, the birthday of the church at the day of Pentecost. As the Spirit comes, as Jesus said, remain here, and the Spirit will come upon you not many days from now. What must have gone through Andrew's mind as he watched his brother preach that day? Do you think he was excited to see God working as 3,000 people trust Jesus Christ that day? 
by the preaching of Simon Peter who Andrew brought to Jesus. I, I think he was thrilled. And going out, enjoying being in the shadows, not me, he let him have the speaking part, but to see God working through Peter. I, I think that was probably a, very, a great blessing. There's a, a verse in, Deuter, or in Daniel that speaks of those who reach the others. And I thought of it this week, and I, I, was, I was fascinated this week as pictures from the Webb telescope came out. And just to, to look at those, and it's amazing, and I, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. But one of the, the pictures that I really enjoyed, and I've looked at several of them, but, but they say this is where the stars are being formed. And, and the birth of stars, and, and you know, over four billion light years away. And that's just, they throw numbers that if we put those zeros behind that, it wouldn't, our, my mind couldn't comprehend it. But if you traveled at the speed of light at 186,000 miles per second and you did that for, for billions of years, you would come to this. But I, but I thought of this as I, I read Daniel 12:3, that says, Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars. Those who turn to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. That was Andrew. Turning people to the righteous one. Striving to be faithful in sharing the gospel. Folks, that's the opportunity that we have. We, we sang the song and we'll conclude a, our service this evening again with Go to the world for the sake of his name. We sang the chorus, we'll sing the first verse as well this evening. But what a tremendous opportunity for all of us to pray, meet people, tell them about Jesus. And to learn from Andrew, we don't have to have a platform to say, We've, I found the Messiah. And introduce people to Christ and, and allow Him to take what may seem insignificant, little, and use it for His glory. Are we willing to be used by Jesus Christ? Let's pray together.